Hi, welcome to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Peter Bulmer, owner of Cars Magazine and Jobber News. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring issues facing today's Canadian aftermarket professionals, sponsored by SiriusXM Canada. SiriusXM is making it possible to offer your customers three months of free satellite radio. Go to SiriusXM.ca slash four shops for details. Welcome back to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. Today I'm joined by the incoming CEO of Fountain Tire, Jason Hurl. Hey Jason, how's it going? Good, Peter. And uh, the correct pronunciation is Hurley. Oh, should have checked with that before we started. <laughs> I, told, I told you to say something stupid at least once. Bro, so. <laughs> so, Jason, let me know a little bit about your background, how you got into the industry, why you're sticking around, and help us know you a little bit better. Well, there's a lot there. I was, I was raised in rural Alberta, Provost, in fact, uh, on a farm and acreage. Uh, so I kind of got used to, you know, working. We had a large garden potatoes. And later, I kind of evolved into helping my uncle farm some of the land that we had around there. And coincidentally enough, Fountain Tire had and still has a Fountain Tire in it. And I remember my father uh, taking our vehicles into that Fountain Tire. And I actually even remember the mechanic's name, Al Brynick. So I had a familiarity with Fountain Tire, you know, maybe just a little foreshadowing. Through that upbringing, I, I had given some thought to maybe becoming a farmer along the way. But, uh, you know, that was a daunting task in and of itself because of the land requirements and all the cash injections that would be required with that. So I decided to get my formal education. I got a Bachelor of Commerce at the University of Alberta and followed up with that and uh, got my Chartered Accountant designation. Never really thought that I'd be an accountant per se, but it was, it was a good alternative to an MBA. And then how that transitioned into the industry we're in, Fountain Tire talking about that now, it's a bit of a parallel story to my background and upbringing, actually. So while in Provost, I was one or two years old, a teacher by the name of Brian Heshey was working with my father, and he ended up boarding with us just for convenience. He was teaching in the same school as my dad, so became family friends. Brian went on to get his MBA and CA designation and ultimately became an external accountant for Fountain Tire. And it was that connection as an external accountant that enabled him to join Fountain Tire and ultimately become the CEO in 1992. So during that journey of his, we stayed in touch, including my high school graduation, where he suggested that I maybe get my university or get my business degree and, and see a designation, which is exactly what I did. And then when you fast forward two years to 1994, I was introduced to Fountain Tire through Brian. I was able to get an interview. I joined the company and the rest is history. Awesome. Kind of like most people, it's a non-traditional route, I guess, into the aftermarket. But that's that's very, very common, I find. You have a pretty impressive mandate coming in as you know the incoming CEO. What are any changes that you'd like to see in terms of preparation for the future? What's your, I guess, the big plan, if I can speak so boldly? Well, it's, it's early days for a, a bigger plan, Peter. You know, we've got some good momentum going right now, so I, I'm not really forecasting any big changes. Under under Brent's leadership, we you know we were directed to really focus on the customer, and I really want to continue on that direction. I'm, I'm a really customer-centric leader. I think that's where we get our best insights from. And at Fountain Terror, we say we're on this road together, and there can be more truth to this in how we view the relationships with our customers. We treat our customers' vehicles as, as if they're their own. We make their problems our problems. And, and this not only refers to customers in the, you know, in the consumer segment, but in all segments that we operate in. 
So uh, some of the things we did in 2021 that I'd like to carry on with were innovations that our customers were looking for. So in the lower mainland, for example, we augmented our bricks and mortar offering with a mobile option for a van to go out, which provided increased convenience for our customers. Uh, maybe you've seen on TV and in our advertisements, the digital vehicle inspection and reporting tool that we have. It brings transparency to our industry. We've recently, probably over the last year now, actually had online appointment booking. So that allows our customers to book an appointment when they want to book it and how they want to book it. And another pretty neat initiative, that, again, customer-driven, is a farm and OTR program. So in northern Alberta and central Alberta, we have a group of stores sharing what would otherwise be a pretty cost-prohibitive state-of-the-art service truck. And then that's allowing those stores to go out and service the farm and off-the-road customers in their region. Insofar as how we deal with the customers, that's kind of want to carry on with that. One other area of focus that isn't necessarily a change either, but an area I want to emphasize is continued growth. I really think Fountain Tire is well-poised for more growth. And whether that be going into new markets or filling voids in markets where we don't have the proper coverage and also growing with our own customers. Ultimately, that means opportunities for associates to grow and maybe pursue their own ownership opportunities. Our program that we have today, it's really scalable with the infrastructure we have. So growth, growth is an easy thing to take on as a challenge. Yeah, good answer. Now, obviously, whenever you're rising through the ranks, kind of as you have, particularly when you're being you know, an incoming CEO, you got to love your job. You got to be excited. What's getting you out of bed every day? What gets me out of bed today is probably the same thing that has kept me here for 28 years. It might sound cliche, but it's, it's the people, the culture, and our commitment to partnerships. We really keep people moving. And, you know, it's quite satisfying to make that happen. And the pandemic really brought this to light. I think as humans, we all take our mobility for granted and um, we don't give it full appreciation. And, and that could be our cars or, or, you know, our own feet. So while many people had the opportunity to stay at home or were forced to stay at home, our store partners kept the doors open and the lights on as an essential service. So we provided that mobility for everyday commuters. We serviced those freight trucks that got your Amazon parcels to your store, you know, to your homes, the groceries to the grocery stores, kept those essential fire trucks, the police and ambulances moving, and, and also the farmers that provide so much of what we consume every day. That's a big part of it. You know, we refer to a purpose of helping people get there. And these people are our associates, there are customers, and there are communities and how they define getting there is different for every one of them. So just a couple examples there, Peter, we give our store associates, the store associate stakeholders, an opportunity to become store partner owners. So they can become shareholder stakeholders. And, and that to me is very, very motivating. And we make this happen. We have a manager and training program and this drive to ownership. It's, it's a program that manifests itself into our local ownership model that we have. That's great. Now, I know what gets you out of bed now. Well, what's keeping you up at night? What are some challenges that you're seeing coming down the line? What are some challenges? I mean, maybe they're from the pandemic, maybe they're just from the shifting landscape uh, coming up in the next five or 10 years. Well, tonight might be different than it was the last couple of months. The, the few months leading up to the CEO announcement was, was <laughs> kept me up at night a fair bit. It was a long, purposeful and meaningful journey. It was you know, led by Brent, our CEO, and endorsed by the board of directors. It wasn't a decision that was made lightly, but in that same vein, Succession is something that I do think about a lot, both at our corporate office and in the field. So, you know, under that umbrella of talent attraction and retention, because time has proven over and over that the right people in the right positions doing the right things is a major risk mitigation strategy. So the things that might otherwise keep me up at night 
are less likely to happen if we have the right people working on them. Mm -hmm. So if we have the right people, I don't have to worry about everything. You know, it's back to that theme of people. In some different areas, things that we're all familiar with, if we're reading the news at all today, the inflation and the economic uncertainty, uh, we don't really know where that's going. It's impacting things like our warehouse costs that are doubling in price from the last time that we had renewals. Oh, well. Yeah, exactly. We've got a major initiative underway right now to, to configure, find and configure our next enterprise business and point of sale system. And we've all heard the horror stories out there from uh, huge cost overruns and timelines that go far beyond planned implementation dates. So we have a team that's focused on that. And our goal is to be on budget, on time and on cost. And we work in a dangerous industry. So safety is something we think about day in and day out. Equipment and vehicles are getting more complicated. We just want to make sure we work in a safe environment and get our people home safe each day for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think those are not very unusual concerns. Yeah. yeah, everyone's kind of in the same boat, I think, like you alluded to a little bit. One more thing I did want to ask you about, because you're kind of in a unique position where you're overseeing so many different outlets. Where do you think the business of automotive repair or retail is going to be going over the next, you know, we'll say five, 10 years? I don't really know, and I don't know if any of us really know, but we're spending more time on strategy probably now than we ever have because of the pace of change that's happening in our industry. And, and the way I define strategy anyway is it's the how you get from your current state to a desired future state. So when you're talking about where's the automotive repair industry going, it's that future state. And the world and the economy and our customers are changing so fast that it's hard to predict what's going to happen in three months from now, far less three years from now. But, but we need to try. We certainly don't want to become that next Kodak or Blockbuster story out there. <laughs> so one way I think we can avoid doing that or becoming that is to stay in touch with our customers. We need, we need to listen to them ensure we're serving them in, in meaningful ways and monitor and react to industry trends and risks. So, you know, a couple of those trends and risks that I talk about, I think consolidation is going to continue to occur in our industry. As I mentioned, it's getting more sophisticated. So it requires, you know, a, a larger investment. So a larger group of stores can make that happen. It, it enhances your ability to serve for, for example, like these growing fleets that are serving us and bringing these packages to our homes. Uh, it allows you to increase your brand awareness more easily. And, you know, of course, something like purchasing power is easier as you're a larger organization. Right. Now, Jason, that's pretty much all I wanted to cover. Is there anything you wanted to tell our listeners? I just think the opportunities that this company has provided me is something that can provide for a lot of people. We have a desire to grow leaders from within the organization. So, you know, whether it be bringing leaders from our stores into our corporate office or, you know, making leaders in our own stores through becoming partners or making leaders out of people here at our own office. It's these opportunities and the people and the experiences that really result in this addictive culture that we have here at Fountain Tire. It's hard to explain, but it's really easy to feel and see. And that's an important thing to me. And, and it's one of the ways we, we plan to continue to recruit and attract talent. That's great. Very well said. Now, before I let you go, I have one question that I'm going to trip you up on. Now, obviously, being in the industry, we're all kind of gearheads. What is mm -hmm. your all-time favorite car? Oh, you are going to trip me up here. <laughs> I get everyone with this one. Don't worry. Um, let's see. What would it be? Are we thinking like classic American muscle? Are we thinking maybe trucks? Are we thinking European sports cars? Would it would certainly be a modern European sports car. It'd be you know along the lines of a, a McLaren, a Ferrari, Porsche, speed and lots of horsepower. There you and go. Hopefully, and hopefully a chance in the Autobahn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the sound clip. 
Awesome. Well, Jason, congratulations again. Thanks for coming on the podcast and best of luck. I appreciate the opportunity, Peter, and uh, thank you for your time. This has been another episode of Auto Service World Conversations with your host, Peter Bowler. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And thank you, as always, to SiriusXM Canada for being our title sponsor.